Thank you for listening to the Celebration Church podcast. For more information about Celebration Church, go to ccacron.org. There you will find information about our church, upcoming events, and how to make a contribution to the ministry of Celebration Church. We hope this message is an encouragement to you. Awesome. Hopefully everybody received um, notes for tonight. If you did not, why don't you raise your hand? We'll make sure you get some. There's quite a bit, quite a few people. Um, Zach and I, we are both really big on notes. We study a lot. We get a little obnoxious. But um, the reason why I went ahead and did them is that way we can kind of fly through. And I don't think I'll get to hit every point. I'm going to really try. But you know I like to expound. And so if I don't, you can take it home and study yourself. Because that's what we always do, right? I actually had someone today come in the office. And Sunday morning I was sitting over here. And so how many of you remember when pastor said, um, that's actually a bad translation? Do you remember that? And so the person sitting next to me goes, what does he mean by that? He's messing with my, well, that's my translation. And I'm like, no, 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 the, the English doesn't really give way in one or two words what the original language means. And so I tried to explain it and pastors sharing it and stuff. Well, they went home to figure it out. They were like, oh, no, they can't just say that and change things up. And when he was, so went home to study it, he realized that we were, his pastor was exactly right. That was the, you know, the pastor's extended translation was the correct one with the original language. So we loved that, I thought it was precious. So please go home and use your notes and dive in and fall in love once again with Jesus, amen? So the way the first nights can, is set up is, um, you know, we can go and we can look through scriptures and we can really be analytical about it and we can really be all about the head knowledge and know a whole lot and quote stuff and not be affected. And I don't know if you've noticed, but we're all about our lives being affected with the gospel. He didn't come so that we could, we could be Pharisees. He didn't come so that we could be more knowledgeable than the rest of the world. Christianity is not about, let me figure out how much more I can know of the Bible versus the person next to me. It's about how much can I be conformed to his image. And so tonight's like this big gumbo pot. Alabama girl's going to know what I'm talking about. So everybody else might still think I'm crazy, but she'll know what I'm talking about. It's like this gumbo pot where we're going to stir it up. We're going to stir up the things within us, and, and hopefully the Holy, we're going to let the Holy Spirit come and cause a new hunger and a new desire to say, Jesus, though I may have heard these scriptures a million times, will you open them up to me again? Will you let me see you in a whole new way? Will you let me see you in this season? Can those scriptures that came alive way back when come alive in me again tonight. So we're going to start in John chapter 12, talking about desiring to see Jesus. Do we have a desire to see him? Now there were certain Greeks among those who came up to worship at the feast. Then they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, and asked him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip came and told Andrew, and in turn Andrew told Philip, and Philip told Jesus, but Jesus answered them, saying, The hour has come whoo, that the Son of Man should be glorified. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain or much fruit. 
He who loves his life will lose it, but he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him, my father, will honor. So there's a whole bunch in this, in this passage here. But the first thing we see is that they go and they, they ask, Philip asks, hey, I want to see Jesus. They go a knocking on the door. They go searching out. And so you and I, and still, it's, it's not just for, for the lost. It's not just for the baby Christian. It's for us all the days of our life and every season. One of the things that I've always told women is because um, they come and, you know, they've been on fire and then, oh, my God, everything's falling apart and it's just not the same. And I try to read and I try to have devotional and I try to, and it's just not the same. And, and it's normal but in every season of life, we have to learn to drink of him again. And my example always is, when you are single, you have all the time in the world to do whatever you want, right? To teach, to, to do outreach, to do mission trips, to study, to have extra prayer time. And then when we get married, we're caring for another person, right? It's not just our schedule, it's another schedule. So then you have to learn in that new season what it's like to drink of Jesus, to spend time with him, to be able to receive from him. And then you have kids. And there's a lot less time to just have to, you know, Zoe's like, Mama, Mama, Bible, Bible. Yes, baby, Bible. Read your Bible. No, Mommy's Bible. You know, but it's precious. But we have to learn again how to drink of Christ. And so here we see Philip going, hey, I want to see Jesus. That's us every day of our life and all the seasons of our life. Hey, I want to see Jesus. I don't want to see all the news with all the horrible stories. And I don't want to go and see the, the devastation in the world around me. I want to see Christ. That's why I've got to go to the trails. I want to see Christ in all the things that I'm doing. And when I'm meeting with the women, and not that any woman would ever do this, but at some point it's just like, wah, 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 wah. and what do I say? I've told you this a million times. Tell me what Christ is doing in your life. Just tell me what Jesus is doing. Because if we can get our eyes fixed on him, all that other stuff just seems more minuscule. So you and I must have a desire, not just by words, but putting into action a desire for him. Matthew 7, 7 and 8 says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who receives and he who seeks finds and him who knocks, it will be opened. If you feel like your flame's out, ask him. He's faithful. If you feel like you just don't get this aspect, ask him. If you feel like you don't get the Prossers and all their excitement and overzealous joy for the kingdom, just ask him. The awesome thing about the person that came and said oh, he went and studied today, you know, about what Zach was saying Sunday, he tells us, I didn't agree with what y'all were saying, but, but every time I saw you, you were living it. And I'm like, there's got to be something about it. And, and as he's gone on and he's asking and he's seeking and he reads all the time and he comes back and he's getting it. Why? Because he's knocking on the door of heaven. He's, he's asking Christ, hey, if this is you, will you make it known? And then we see our next point. Love this. When Philip went and he asked, he says, I want to see Jesus. Philip told Andrew. Andrew told Philip. Philip goes and gets Jesus, right? 
He was in the fellowship of people that would bring him to Christ. And so what we have to remember is those people around us, those people that, that we're with, our acquaintance, the people that we choose to spend our time with, affect our ability to be able to see Jesus. Our acquaintances affect our ability to see Jesus. Let's look at the scriptures. 1 Corinthians 15.33, do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. There's another version. Bad company corrupts good character. Doesn't mean they're a bad person. Come on. Just means it may be bad company for you. Years ago when I first got born again, I was in this Baptist church. And on Wednesday nights, we would break out into small groups. So I was in this small group with some older Christians. I just wanted to, I was hungry. Remember, I was like a Catholic girl gone wild, gets born again. Somebody help me. I really don't know what this religion was. And then wildlife and really what's Christ. And so I always would be attracted to seasoned believers. So one of the questions was something about friendships within as a believer and as you grow in Christ. And I'm like, you'll have more friends. Because remember, I couldn't have any friends I had before I got saved. I had to find new ones. So I'm like, I'm going to get a lot of friends. And they corrected me and they said, well, really what happens is you love a lot of people. And you have a lot of people in your community. But the closer you draw to Christ, the smaller your circle becomes because there's fewer and fewer people that'll go that journey. You following? And so what I began to realize very early on in my Christianity is people that didn't want to go there with Christ. Because you see, I can't go back in life. When I was in the world, I had a blast. So if I'm born again and believe what I say I believe, I'm going to enjoy it for all that it is. I'm going to take every spiritual blessing that Christ offers, and I'm going to have the time of my life. He came to give me the Zoe life, the life abundant. Come on. So I'm going for it. And so I'm not going to allow bad company. What's bad company? For me, it's this. Because what how, you just get wrapped up in it right? There's a difference between I need to vent and then find out what God wants me to do about it. And I'm just going to be a complainer all the days of my life. Come on. Or people that, people that are more consumed with the things of the world than with the things of the kingdom. Amen. Psalms 1.1 says, how blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. I don't want to be around it all the time. Is every person I know born again? Is every family member born again? No. But where my counsel comes from, the people that I spend the most of my time with, are the people that are in love with Jesus. People that, are, that want me to pursue him for all that I have. People that are saying, you better keep going because I'm following after you, sister. Let's go. Let's go. Let's take heaven by force. Let's bring heaven to this place on earth. Let's see our world affected. That's who I want to be around. Not people that tuck their nose and, oh my God, it's 1201 we should have been out half an hour ago who cares about that we have seven days six and a half days six and three quarter days that we're in the world I need to be saturated in him so the world doesn't affect me our acquaintances affect our ability to see Christ Ephesians 5 18 and 19 says oops do not get drunk with wine for that's dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, 
speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. There are some relationships that do honor him and do cause us to draw nigh unto him. We also want to always take a look at holy ordinances. What is that? That's church service. That's communion. That's worship. That's prayer. That's our Bible. And we want to begin to take that and we should desire to see him above all else. And in doing our holy ordinances, it should be about him more than it's about going, click my time, cock. What songs are we going to sing? Am I going to like the preaching? Did they do a good job tonight or flake again or what the sound did or whatever? Or getting to see Joe Blow and Susie Q and tell them what I really think about life. When you and I come to church, it's because we want to see Christ. I'm coming to meet with my king. I'm coming to see the lover of my soul. I'm coming to have an encounter with him that I may not be the same. Our acquaint when we do this, our acquaintance of him is increased, meaning our knowledge of who he is, our experience with who he is, our understanding of his character is increased. We're made closer to him by, by seeking him in the ordinances. Our dependence on him is encouraged. You know, we know we walk out the door and we're on high, spiritual high. The world comes and knocks us and we hold on to that scripture. But when we get back in the presence with other believers, our dependence on who he is is encouraged. I can do this. He will come through. Look how he's come through for so-and-so. I do believe. I know you can. It's encouraged. Our conformity to who he is is carried on. And this is something, friends, that all the days of our life, whether we've been saved for one day or a hundred days, we should desire that every time we enter into his gates, that we're changed and to be made more like him. It's not something that ever ceases. God help us if we become stagnant Christians. I don't even know that that even can exist. But we use the term so lightly in America. We should be being transformed little by little every time we enter his gates. Amen. We should see him more and more as our own. You know, I can remember um, this one pastor I had when we would pray in prayer meetings. And she would say, my God, my God, my God. Uh, she was praying the whole time. And all of a sudden I'm like, he is hers. She knows that he's hers. Why don't I have that assurance? And then, and then it became, because I wasn't seeking that. I wasn't trying to make all of it mine. Understanding the authority that I had in him by his blood. And so as, as, as things are being preached and testimonies are being shared and things are happening, we should be picking that off the tree because that fruit's ours to have. That's my God. That's not just their God. That's not just their experience. If he could do it for them, he can do it for me. That's my God. We begin to take ownership of him. We begin to understand that we possess all the blessings of heaven, not just the people in the, in the Bible days, but you and I here on earth have that for ourselves. And as we begin to understand that, we begin to walk differently out of these doors. That we have to come hungry. And our communion with him is carried on. Y'all, 
My best example of this is, you know how, and of course it's, different, it's always different with men and women, but you know how like in um, middle school, girls were in, they're all friends, and then one goes to a new school, and they don't talk as much, and they see another friend, they're like, oh my God, she's with, she's with Susie, she doesn't like me anymore, and it's this big, huge ordeal, and then they go to high school, it's not quite as bad, but you still have the girl drama. College, they're a little bit more understanding, because most of them go to different schools. And by the time we reach our 30s, we're like, haven't seen them in 10 years. And we're like, oh, my God, it's so good to see you, right? The drama of being young is very similar in our Christianity. When we don't spend time with him, we don't feel like we have that connection. When we don't spend time with him and connect with him on a daily basis, continually throughout the day, we don't feel like we have that access. We start acting like those weird schoolgirls. Oh, my gosh, does he even love me? I mean, look what he did for her, but I mean, for me? Because we haven't had communion with him. Y'all know, you're laughing because you know it's true. And so as we come hungry for him, expecting him to meet with us, remember the scripture we read earlier, as we knock, he's going to answer. As we seek him, we're going to find him. If we come hungry for him, even in the morning when we open our word, if we're hungry, God, meet with me today. He's going to come and meet with us, and we're going to know that communion with him is there, and we're going to be able to carry on much more confident in who we are in him because we've met with him that day. We're not going to feel a million miles away. You know, we've all been there in our Christianity, especially early on, where we had to repent for the same thing over and over and at some point we were like I can't go to him again oh my word but the longer we spend time with him day in and day out and day in and day out and meet with him with an expectancy we understand that communion with him we don't want it broken as soon as we even glimpse ourselves falling into sin thinking we might sin we're right there repenting because we don't want that communion with him separated and so you and I need to keep that desire stirred up for him every time we go to meet with him. There are two types of seeing in our notes here. Matthew 13, 13 says, Therefore I speak to them in parables, because while seeing they do not see, and while hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. In their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is being fulfilled, which says, You will keep on hearing, but will not understand. You will keep on seeing, but will not perceive. For the heart of this people has become dull. With their ears they scarcely hear, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise they would see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their heart in return, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, because they see, and your ears, because they hear. Thank you, Lord. When our heart is heavy, our ears are dull. How do our hearts become heavy? Our eyes get off of him. Our eyes get away from the scripture. Our eyes stop seeing the things of God. They get heavy. The heavier our hearts are, the, the more dull our ears are. It's all connected. The saddest condition a man can be in on this side of hell is to sit under the most lively ordinances with a dead, stupid, and untouched heart. What is that? When we're in service, you know, and it's, it's been a long time for me. I'd have to really think to go back and find it. But when we sit in service, oh, I do have an example. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Because by the time, I usually am getting there during worship, so by the time preaching happens, I'm all in. But you ever show up for worship and you're just like, I don't want to worship. I don't even, I'm too tired, I just want to sit down. 
I don't even like that song. Oh my God, who's wearing that cologne? You get what I'm saying? And so, and when that happens, the songs don't mean squat to us. Then they sing a song, and we got ministered to so much by it the last time we were worshiping to it. And this time, it just, it's, our ears are dull. And what do, we, what do we do? Thank God there's spiritual disciplines. I told somebody this when we first got here, and they thought it was crazy. What do we do? We lift our hands. That doesn't work. We just start shabbat You don't feel like it. I, you, I, you'll see me laying hands on myself up front. Because one, I was too busy and rushed here. Or two, I'm tired or cranky or I'm really stressed. And I haven't been able to just sit down with God and wrestle it out. And, 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 but in, but in, if I don't do that, worship will pass me by. Preaching will pass me by. It could be the best message ever. And I haven't heard a thing. That's why it's so important that you and I come hungry we enter to his presence. We discipline ourselves to enter in. We discipline ourselves to partake. Some days I just have to lay and bask in his glory. Come wash over me. Whatever it is that our ears might be opened, that the eyes of our heart might be enlightened to who he is. People that have, oh, I love this. People that have simple understanding can have outstanding, unimaginable knowledge of who he is as it's unfolded for them. You know, we saw in scriptures that, that it was it Peter and Paul, Peter and John, that were, um, it was after Jesus had um, been taken away, and um, actually it was after he ascended, and they began to preach somewhere, and they were like, hey, hey, those are unlearned men. Oh, but they were with Jesus, right? They were unlearned men. They were simple-minded men. But it doesn't matter how educated you or I are. It doesn't matter our IQ right. levels. Because in the presence of God, he begins to open our ears. Yeah. He begins to wipe away the gloss on our eyes and begins to make all things known to us. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Bible, school, all the different things. He will come. You know, people always ask me, well, what about the people in the middle of the bush? I mean, they, they don't have a way to know the gospel and then they die. Like, is it... God can come in a moment of time with the wind blowing and the trees and the sunset. Oh, my goodness, in Africa, it's beautiful. And display his glory, and the eyes can be opened in that moment. The most simple mind can know the greatest truths of the gospel unveiled in his presence. I love this one. The eyes of the meanest believer, not that there could ever be a mean believer, knows that experientially the grace of Christ are more blessed than those of the greatest scholars, the greatest masters in experiential, in experiential philosophy. What does that mean? Look, you and I will come against people more schooled, more learned than us, that, that try to show themselves up, and we're sitting there trying to defend our faith. Why? Why? We don't have to. We know what's real. I, somebody this week, this past week, there's some Jehovah's Witness came to my door, and I was very nice to them. They left, and they said, you know they're going to be back because you were nice. They go and write that down. Yes, I'm very much aware. No, I really don't want to sit and have a long conversation. Have I done it? Yes. Have I led Jehovah's Witness and Mormons to the Lord? Yes. And I would not read Scripture with them. Why? Because they are learned in the Scripture, and they... Has scripture has been perversed to their minds. 
So as you begin to go for it, they just go, I mean, it's crazy. You just fight. And I'm not fighting with them. I tell them what I know. Let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about Jesus. And you intertwine scripture. Let me tell you about Jesus. It doesn't matter why, because the truth of the gospel will be revealed to you as you seek his face. Are scripture important? Oh, yeah, we're going to get there. But we don't have to be highly intelligent people to get the deep truths of the scripture. He begins to open our eyes. Ephesians 1, 15 through 19 says, For this reason I too have heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus which exists among you and your love for all the saints. Do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation of the knowledge of him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe. These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his mind. Paul was writing to the church. You know, I, I, I get that we're a little different, Zach and I, and that we challenge every week. Paul did the same thing. That's our job. That's, we were created, we were given a mandate to push one another for more of him. Paul said, I pray that the eyes of your hearts might be enlightened. In other words, he said, hey, church, there's more of God. There's more of the kingdom of heaven than we've experienced thus far. And I am praying that the eyes of your hearts might be opened, that you might get the fact that there is more for you to have. And not only more, but there is beyond a measure the riches of his glory for you and I to have. In other words, Paul understood the glory of God. Paul understood that everything and all of creation and all of who he is is the most glorious and wondrous and magnificent thing that could ever imagine. And if you and I, if we all, if Ephesus could just begin to see a little glimpse of that glory, the eyes of our heart would be enlightened. As the eyes of our hearts are enlightened, we're drawn after him. As we're drawn after him, we know him a little bit more. And as we know him a little bit more, we're just a little bit more hungry for him. And as we're a little bit more hungry for him, he meets us another time. And when he meets us another time, it all begins all over again. So it's not just us. We're following in accordance with scripture saying, church, we need more individually, the eyes of our hearts, Lord. Lord, would you give us a glimpse? Even we have, we have been um, indoctrinated with this for years, living it out. And I even understand as I'm teaching it tonight that my eyes and my heart need to be enlightened more. I understand that I've tasted the riches. I get it. I walk it. I live it. But even though I do, my God, I pray that the eyes of my heart would be enlightened, Lord, to the riches of your glory. Because as that happens, what was our prayer for this year, church? Lord, expand my capacity to worship you. Expand my capacity. I can't expand that unless I get a bigger glimpse of who he is. Because as I begin to see more of who he is, that hunger grows. And I have to have it, I will make room for more of him. I will get rid of those things of the world. I will get rid of all the stuff.
stupid ideas and things that I hold on to and grudges and this and that. It doesn't matter anymore because I got to catch that glory. I got to sit in his presence. I got to bask in his goodness. I've got to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of living. Why do y'all think that woman that got delivered over there two weeks ago, why do y'all think I said I needed it more than she did? I needed to see that glory again. I needed to see someone walk in destitute and full despair, crying out to him and say, oh no, my God's bigger than the stupid prince of this world and he's going to deliver you tonight. Why? Because he paid the price. Because he chose you. He called you by name. He called you to get out of your car and come out to 688 Dan Street. Why? Because he wants to set you free, sister. We've got to see the glory of God. We need to understand that our prayer needs to be that the eyes of our heart be enlightened to who he is. There's more that you and I have ever, ever imagined of him. It's time to get hungry again. We walk by faith and not sight. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, But we all, with unveiled face, Beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord. What does that say? As you and I see Christ, as we begin to see him with our spiritual eyes, we become like him. We can't be something we don't know. We can't be something we don't understand. The more that, 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 we, that we bask, the more that we allow him to reveal his goodness, that we're looking for him, and we begin to see it, the more that we become like him. It's very hard to become an engineer without studying and going to engineer school. We have to spend time with Christ. We have to spend time getting to know him. I'm not talking studying and quoting scriptures and debating theology. I'm talking looking at Jesus. When we see him, we become like him. That's why I get so obnoxious and I'm just waiting and it's all about Jesus and come, fill this place and the Holy Ghost blow. Because I got to see it. The, we say it all the time, but the baptism of the Holy Spirit is the heavenly ministry of Christ. So I need him to blow in this place every time. Because I need to see him. I need to see Christ. As we behold him, we become like him. <clears throat> this quote here by Matthew Henry, we should not rest contented without a spiritual knowledge of the transforming power of the gospel by the operation of the spirit, bringing us into a conformity of the temper and tendency of the glorious gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, the worst thing that Christians could say that rubbed me the wrong way is it's just how he created me. He created us with beautiful, diverse gifts in, in, in diverse ways, and it's awesome. But he created us to, be, to know his glory yeah. and to display his handiwork. Yeah. And so that means that we need to spend time getting to know him and letting him transform us and letting him change us. You know, I could be a bulldozer. I, I used to be, be in business and, um, you know, at 21 years old, I ran the number one store in the country. The president would fly in to meet with me to figure out what I was doing. I had 1,000 plus employees. It was pretty insane. 21 years old, you didn't even want to know my salary. 
And I was good, but I wasn't Christ-like. It would be two years before I met him. And if my staff then, who loved me but called me a slave driver, would see how I run things now, two different people, because I learned to let Christ into the workplace. By all natural means, they were like, you are the bomb. But by spiritual means, ooh, you're a baby. You got a lot to learn. So on the outside, we may be looking great, but on the inside, Christ is saying, can I make you more like me? Can I make you more like me? Doesn't mean you're not gonna still succeed, but you can have greater success because you're now succeeding in the kingdom. 2 Corinthians 4.16 says, Therefore we do not lose heart, but though our outer man is decaying, ah oh man, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are are eternal thank you lord what is that we we have a scale one side is the reality of the natural world one side's the reality of the spiritual world you've heard me say it again augustine has a book um city of city of god in other words we live in this world but we're not of the world we live in this world but but while I'm living and walking in the things of the earth I want to be living in the kingdom of heaven I want to be keenly aware of the presence of the heavenlies all around me and what God's trying to do and how he's trying to orchestrate things there was a thing that happened this week with a couple of us here in this room and I was like wow God you really know how to restore things and you really know how to divinely put things together and the crazy thing where several of us could see it because the scale was tipped to eternity. But somebody couldn't see it. All they saw was the natural side. And all I can do is sit back and say, Lord, will you come? Lord, will you open the eyes of their heart? Because you can't make someone see the city, O oh city of God. We walk by faith and not by sight. Sometimes in the natural, it looks horrible. But in the spirit, He's setting you up for success. He's setting you up for a miracle. He's setting you up to see his glory displayed as never before. Thank you, Lord. For the sake of time, I'm going to go to page 5. 1 Corinthians 1.22 says, For indeed, Jews ask for signs and Greeks search for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified to Jews a stumbling block and Gentiles foolishness but to those who are called both Jews and Greeks Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God we cannot be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ I'm talking inside the church and outside of the church we can't be ashamed to, to, to live as Christ inside of the church doors what do you mean when somebody rubs you the wrong way let's be scriptural and talk about it let's go to our brother let's go to our sister and say hey look when this happened I, it's not sitting right with me come on that's Christ-like Jew-like in the Old Testament, not modern day. 
would be to just sit there and go on and go on with them, and it doesn't display Christ, doesn't honor Christ, doesn't glorify Christ, doesn't even smell like Christ. But we begin to put on Christ in the church doors, and out of the church doors, we don't back down. Out of the church doors, we live Christ as much as we do in here. Out of the church doors, we begin to be a light displayed for his glory. I love that he made me unique and weird, and I get that. But it makes me happy when my daughter, at 18 months old, we're in Party City, and she says, my worship. And everyone goes, Are they, is she going to do it? I'm not afraid of the gospel. I live in America. There's not some guard with AK-47 at the door. Sure, baby, we can worship anywhere we want because he's in our hearts. Jesus loves me, this I know for the book. And everyone's just staring. Love that I'm going to go places. And as I'm at the, at the bank trying to figure out our accounts, I'm just talking to them. And they're just like, you just seem real down to earth. And I'm like, you know, Christ came for all of us. He didn't come to make us religious and, and stu stuffed up and be unhappy to be around. You should come check out my, we're pretty cool pastors. I preach Christ, let me tell you. But we're pretty cool people. Well, what do you mean by that? Christ in everyday life. He teaches us how to use who we are in our unique giftings and settings. Why? We're not ashamed of the gospel. Right. We're not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You don't have to be on a platform or with a mic or on a mission field. You know why I take people all around the world for the gospel? Because if I take you to the other side, you're going to live it over here. Because I, I, you're going to get out of your comfort zone. You're going to see Christ in ways you never thought you could see him. And I'm going to tell you when you come back, you're going to live it. That's why we took these people to New Orleans. Because we knew they were going to catch something outside of these doors and bring it back here. Amen. Amen. Christ is the gospel. Amen. Christ is the gospel. And if we proclaim it, we go out there and live it. Yes. We're not ashamed of it. People... You know, and I'm talking the curse words. I don't even have it anymore. I'm like, hey, I'm so sorry. That's bothering me. Do you have to do that right now? Oh, don't worry. She's just a preacher. No, you know, really, not even about me being a preacher. That's just a little crude. Would you talk like that if your grandma was here? And then eventually, the conversation leads down to 15 years ago, I'd have cursed like a sailor. But let me tell you what Christ did in me. You get what I'm saying? But the crazy thing, <clears throat> as it's a stumbling block for some, it's foolishness to others, it's the power of God for the Christian, we can be sitting in a church service and you're sitting right next to someone and they yawn and watch their watch and the other person is enlightened to the glories of the gospel and enters into heaven in a whole new way. I've seen people caught up in vision visions next to people that were texting and Facebooking and, and making plans for later on. We have to stay hungry. Yep. Psalm 34, 8 says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is a man who takes rich refuge in him. To see Christ as infinitely valuable is inseparable from embracing, receiving enjoying, treasuring, or savoring him. In other words, if you and I can see 
how infinitely valuable he is. In other words, the value of Christ for our eternity, the value of Christ not only for our life here, but for of all time. If there's value in him in that, then there's, you can't separate wanting us to savor him, wanting us to enjoy him, wanting us to take pleasure in finding value in spending time with him. Christianity may, tries to make it sometimes all about these rules and what we do and don't do and, and, and can't find any joy in it. But the reality of it is we're Christian. He, I am a Christian hedonist. You know what a hedonist is? One that finds, take, finds pleasure, is searching for pleasure. I am searching for pleasure. My pleasure I'm searching for is in Christ alone. Alone. The hope of my glory, Christ. We can't separate our salvation and our life. We find value in time with him, in tasting him, in savoring him, in, in, in enjoying him. Just think about it. When you, I don't like cake and brownies and all that stuff. I just don't like it. But I like cheesecake. But I don't like most cheesecakes. I'm, very, I'm a cheesecake snob because I really don't like sugar stuff. But Zach can make a, from scratch this cheesecake that'll make you want to slap somebody. <laughs> I'm not even exaggerating. Ask my family. The day after Thanksgiving, they start asking if he's making it again next year, okay? But when I sit down to eat that, I mean, I put it on a nice plate. I get the nice silverware out. Come on. I'll even take one of my crystal glasses and put some milk in it. And I'm making it nice. You got it? I'm sitting down. I'm propping my feet up. And I'm going to enjoy that baby. Why is it any different with Christ? You get what I'm saying? If I find value in my salvation, value in who he is and what he's provided for my eternity, then I'm going to provide value for enjoying him. We want to savor that cheesecake. We want to savor that morsel of chocolate. We want to savor that hunger and uh, honey. But all the more, I want to savor Jesus. That's why I'm not looking at my clock saying it's 1130, what they doing. I want to savor it. I want to enjoy it. Yeah, at some point, I have to go to the bathroom or get some water or whatever. Go eat. I get it. I'm not saying like we're going to, I'm a self-proclaimed martyr. I'm saying that there's value in waiting in his presence. There's value in extended worship. There's value in coming to church more than once a week. There's value in going to a care group. There's value in turning on the worship while you're taking a shower or waking up and reading your word. He meets with us. He, the creator of all things, desires to be known by you. And be known by me. Matthew Henry says, let God's goodness be rolled under the tongue as a sweet morsel. I'll close with this if you want to come up, Grace. After you taste that good cheesecake, you can go talk about it. After you find that really good sale, come on, and you found that pair of shoes on sale, you go and tell your girlfriend, let me tell you what I found. Right? Why is it any different than Christ? That's why we, we finished, and we're like, let me tell you what Jesus did. I have this one friend that whenever I'm feeling a little down and out and a little bit, of, I just call her and say, hey, how's it going? Oh, I'm just so glad you called. Let me tell you what just happened in class. And I got to pray with it. She's always.
always got a testimony on her tongue. She's always got a scripture of what God revealed that day to her. I want to make sure that I'm like that. I want to make sure that I've spent time with the King of Kings. And I've got something to say. Not what happened last week, last month, or last year. But what happened today. What God's doing in me now. That He's dealing with me. That He's changing me. That He's revealing his love to me more and more. So that's why we're doing seeing and savoring. That's why we are who we are. Probably makes a little bit more sense about why we've been doing all that we've been doing while we've been here. Because it's all about us knowing him and being known by him. Why don't you stand on your feet? Thank you for joining the Celebration Podcast. For more information, visit ccacron.org or call us at 330-762-7458. You can also download the Celebration app from iTunes or the Android store. With my father, it's so hard.